whatever generation we are, wake up, get out there. There's opportunities. Don't sit around and cry. Uh, but at the same time, okay, sit around and cry. I'll just go do it all. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Appalachian Startup. Stories of new ideas that eventually became thriving businesses in areas that most would consider a bad investment. I'm J.D. Belcher, and I started this podcast because I took the same path as a lot of these folks. I'm a former coal miner, and now I make films through my own production company called JJN Multimedia. I wanted to hear others speak of their journey to not only give new beginners hope, but to help me grow as a fellow entrepreneur. Whenever I hear someone say, you can't start a business in southern West Virginia, Will Daniels often comes to my mind. He took the path we're taught to take. Yes, I'm talking about college, which we all know offers some great opportunities, and eventually his initial goal of becoming a teacher did work out. Only he didn't expect what once was a way to earn some extra dollars during his off hours would turn into a business that would eventually provide 30 new jobs for local folks in just under 10 years of operation. What was that business? Cutting grass. Learn the ins and outs of all things blue-collar business with Will Daniels from XP Lawn Care. Enjoy. Graduated from Westside High School in 2003. Um, Always kind of had a a passion for business. I knew at like 16 years old that I wanted to do something business, but um, it's kind of hard to get started in a business unless you like got a really good idea or got a really good funding source. And uh, at that age, I didn't have either. So we did college, went to WU for two years, uh, Concord for four, ended up with three bachelor degrees, uh, history degree, a geography mapping degree, a education, social studies, specialization degree. Uh, after that, came back, tried to get a job my first year. Social studies teachers are a dime a dozen, so uh, couldn't get a job. So I, I still had a little bit of time and money I'd set back, so I decided to go to vocational school over here at, at Pineville, and I took uh, carpentry. And it was the first time I'd ever actually had – I'd always been – I was good in school, so, you know, it's like books, books, uh, get a degree and stuff like that. But, you know, I was 24 years old and, and didn't have a skill, like a, a, with your hand skill. And uh, I went back and took that and uh, learned more in that one year – a vocational school than I did six years of college, or at least I felt like I did, more more practical stuff that I could use. So um, that right there kind of let me see that I, I knew that I, I wanted to do something with my education, but I also like getting out and, and working actually, you know, with your hands and, and, and things like that. So um, during that time right there, that's when there is about from 2009 – Till 2011, I couldn't get a job. Uh, there was uh, a lot of social studies teachers, you know, a lot of the old coaches or social studies teachers, and I just couldn't get my, my foot in the door. So I was sitting there one day. I had another friend of mine uh, that he'd been in and out of the coal mines already since he graduated with me, and uh, he'd be employed doing good, laid off, employed doing good, laid off. And uh, he had told me that he had went and got a, um, a snap card, a food stamp card, as you know most people know it. And I was just kind of like, you, you qualify for a food stamp card? And he's like, yeah, man, you know, uh, 
you, you laid off and things like that. So they'll give you two, three hundred dollars a month for your food, and uh, it's less expense I have. So I sit there and. I was living in a single-wide trailer in the trailer park at that time, uh, just trying to make it on my own. And I was sitting there on my couch that day just just thinking, and I was like, well, if he's getting a food stamp card, why can't I get a food stamp card? And uh, I went and, and made the phone call uh, to check into it, and they told me what I needed and that I qualified and all that stuff. So, like, the next day I was I was going to go over there and get, get signed up for food stamps. And I sat there, and I was on that couch, and I was, you know, most of my family, well, all my family had always worked. They'd always had a job doing something. And I was like, am I really doing all I can do to, to work and to try to make a living and to try to uh, provide for myself? And I was like, no, I could do more. I was, when I was in high school, for spare money, I always would cut grass for people. And uh, that always helped me get through, you know, the, the school a year, a couple hundred dollars a week. Uh, I was happy, didn't have to work full time at it. And uh, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, man, I've always cut grass. I was like, let me uh, try this maybe. So uh, that's back when we had Channel 2 and you had free advertising on Channel 2. So I made me an ad on Channel 2. Uh, I hand painted me uh, probably 10 or 15 signs, just uh, experienced lawn care. Uh, reasonable prices. I put some ads in the Weekly Trader in the old the old Mountain Trader, and uh, within the first week, I already had a few jobs. The first year, I think we had ten clients, and uh, like I said, that was two thousand and ten was my first year. We just wrapped up our tent season. Which, you know, it's not just lawn care anymore. We've diversified and uh, going into the 11th season. So altogether, I've had businesses, some sort of business going since 2003. How long did you, did you do the, did you cut grass by yourself for a while or did you have someone that helped that you kind of split, yeah, split the, things with? The first year, it was, it was just me, which we had 10, 10 or 12 uh, jobs. So it wasn't too bad. I, we would go do it. Um, I was trying to substitute teach at the time, so sometimes you would get a lot of work substitute teaching, and, and sometimes you might only get one or two day a week work substitute teaching. So uh, a lot of times it was it was evening time. Um, I'd take my dog out with me a lot of times. We had a Labrador and, and tie her up over on the, the edge of the woods and stuff and then just mow her weed eat all evening. So the, the first year it was just me. The second year... Um, we came back and, and I don't know, I guess the word of mouth from the first year and, and just the fact that there's a need for people to do this kind of work, but we went from like 10, 10 customers to about 50. And I, I don't know what fueled the growth. Like I said, I guess, you know, I did a good job showing up at the time and there's just an extreme need for that. But I, I attempted to do that for about a month. The, about through April, halfway through May, uh, the second year, and then it just, I realized there's no way that I was going to be able to, to do it all by myself. So that's when I, ha I hired my first uh, helper, and he would come in and, and help just periodically in, in things, but he was a college student, and he was a really good a really good worker, and he really helped me out a lot. And and uh, I think back about those days a lot of times because it was just me and him. At that point, the first year I had 
2003 Toyota Celica that I was doing my lawn care business out of. And so people were like, I ain't got the equipment. I was like, you think a Toyota Celica is the equipment? <laughs> it's not. And um, I usually would be riding like this right here with my arm on the weed eater, bouncing up and down and the push mower in the back, getting all the nice fumes and stuff. Had to keep the windows down. But um, the second year I, I moved up and, and we had bought a 1965 CJ5 uh, Jeep. And I just kind of wanted it just to take in the woods. But uh, – Quickly, I realized uh, I was going to need more than the Toyota Celica that I had and stuff. So we strapped the trailer on, and and I got I started out with my dad's uh, push mower that he loaned me, uh, my grandpa's weed eater, and I had my grandpa's 1980s uh, riding lawnmower Dynamark. So we we would ride around Wyoming County. Uh, that's when we started branching out. We was always like Oceana Pineville, but then we started branching out a little bit further, like Salisville, Baileysville area. And, and uh, we'd ride around in that old 65 Jeep. Uh, we'd go to go over Jesse Mountain, and it'd be like 30 miles an hour, all you could do to get over it. <laughs> uh, it, it was good times uh, back then. And that's so why I, I look back on that a lot and just think about, you know, just it was just me and him. It's, it's simpler times and things, definitely. And uh, it's definitely enjoyable. When the third year came, that's when I, I knew that everything, I was going to step everything up because I'd, I'd already saw going from 10 to 50 yards the, the second year. Uh, it had became more than just a little bit of a side hobby. And, and between the second and the third year uh, is when I finally got hired on to teach. So I'd been trying to get a job teaching for, for two two years, and uh, I finally had the opportunity, and it wasn't social studies. Uh, they called and said they had a new program, and it was for at-risk at risk students, a year or more behind where they're supposed to be at risk and not graduating for whatever reason. So um, I started that, and then... We also grew that year probably to about 75 jobs. And um, that was the last year that we could go out and do everything in the evening times. So after that, you, you know, you got your full-time position at mm -hmm. Westside High School. Um, how, how quickly did you realize that you were going to have to make some tough choices, you know, as business continued to grow? Well, I ended up teaching for seven years altogether. And... Oh, I, I knew I had a good idea early on, but um, it's one of those situations that, you know, everybody that gets into business and serious uh, funding, you know, and I had really good parents that, that sent me to college that, that, you know, bought me a vehicle in school. They were, they were great parents and stuff. But as far as like having a, a Donald Trump parent that was going to hand over, you know, tons of money and, and allow me to, to do what I wanted to do with the business, that never happened, you know, and, and everything. They would always help me along the way. Uh, my mom's been my bookkeeper for 11 years. My dad's been my mechanic for 10 years. Uh, they would always help me along the way, but 
as far as just flipping over money and saying, do what you want. <laughs> I never had that luxury. So, and a lot of times I'd, you know, sit back and whine around and stuff like, man, I just wish I was born rich, you know, cause I'd already, cause I knew the work was there. Uh, I had people asking me to do tons of things, you know, and I was like, if I just had another vehicle, if I just had a pressure washer, if I just had a, you know, and I'd sit there and, and want and wish my life away. But, you know, that's only going to get you so far. So I knew everything I was going to have to do, I was going to have to work for to get it. So we just, for my third year, I think I quit school on my ninth season. You know, there's always, like even in, in your line of work, I'm sure there's somebody that like is is above you that you're kind of like shooting for, you know, like I want to be on that level. Mm-hmm. And we had a local legend here in Wyoming County that had cut grass since the 90s. Uh, he, had, he had done most of the commercial stuff around here, the schools, things like that. And he was always my motivation. I was always, you know, gunning for him. I wanted his spot. I wanted to be. And in my fourth year, because I remember they always used to brag, he's got a hundred jobs, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. Like, All right. So that number burned in my head right there until. So the fourth year is when we finally got on about equal levels with him. So I was like, that's pretty good. Four years, you know, I've, I've put together uh, this company that's competitive with somebody that's been in business for 15, 20 years now. And it just kind of motivated me, showed me that uh, if you do things right, uh, just set some basic principles up in your business. And, and I mean, I, I've read a lot of, of business help books and, and things like that over the years. I've, I've read specific books just about landscaping, lawn care businesses and things. But, I mean, the principles that I go back to every time is is be good to people. Uh, have good people to help you. And and when you say you're going to do something for somebody, do it. Uh, if you're supposed to be there on Tuesday, you better be there on Tuesday or you better get on the phone and call them and tell them, you know, what's going on and don't lie to them. Be honest and, and, and do what you're telling these people. If they're not happy, try to do whatever you can to make them happy. You know, just don't get mad because somebody's mad at your work. It's going to happen. I mean, uh, we've had thousands of customers over the years. You, you're going to have have times when somebody's not 100% pleased with what you've done. And sometimes it may be your fault. Sometimes people are just absolutely unreasonable. But you you go back and you try to do whatever you can to, to make them happy. You, you put forth that effort uh, to show that you were willing to, to do whatever you could to, to better the situation. And I've just kind of followed that, that strategy, um, really just the dependable part. And that's kind of what I've ended up putting on a lot of my signs and, and shirts. Uh, we always do custom T-shirts over the years and stuff, different one for every day of the week. But uh, I've put quality and dependability on, on a lot of them. And that's, I feel like, what's got us uh, to this level now and stuff. You, you have to be dependable. People don't like being jerked around. Um, if they're good enough to give you opportunity to come and work for them, then you have to do what you're supposed to do. And that's where the quality comes in. I, I've always been competitive. I played sports all through school. I was captain of the football team junior, senior year. I, I don't like to lose. It don't matter if it's tiddlywinks. <laughs> I don't want to lose. Right. And, and I translate kind of everything into a competition like I you know telling you I was I was gunning for the top spot I wanted to be the big dog in the lawn care world and um, 
that's where the quality comes in because you'll have employees that on certain days they don't really feel that good you know they don't want to do the extra they don't want to be out in the 90 degree weather and stuff but i've i've made that the standard that these yards have to be perfect they're not just be good and i and i and even to today's time that's what the guys that work for me now you'll you'll hear them say i'll tell them that you know i don't want a 90, 95% yard, you know, where it's 90, 95% wonderful. I'm like, we have to go past 100%. You have to aim for 100% because customers can be tough. And and I use the analogy all the time and stuff. I mean, people, your yard will be wonderful. Everything will be perfect. But grandma will come out and she'll notice that one clip over there by that one tree that you missed, 99% of the yard would be beautiful. And you're sitting there, you know, proud as a peacock about it. And she's over there telling you about the three blades of grass that you missed behind a tree. And, I mean, sometimes it's nothing. <laughs> They'll be fussing about right. or a clump of grass that you didn't uh, pick up uh, in the yard. So I've learned over the years everything that somebody can complain about. And, and I've tried to uh, pass it on uh, to all my crew leaders and to my employees because if – it can be, if it can happen, we've had it happen over the years. What would you say to someone that doesn't think rural Appalachia, because, you know, getting someone to cut your grasses, can, some might consider a luxury item. What would you say to them about uh, the, when they tell you that they don't think the market is here? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially here in Wyoming County, it's like the tale of two cities. I mean, there, there is the poverty but you go down to the local high school and drive by that parking lot, you're going to see more thirty, forty thousand dollar vehicles in that parking lot than a lot of people have in other areas. Period. You know, let alone sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year old kids driving it. Uh, there is money here. There, there's uh, a lot of retired workers that now, uh, thanks to some legislation through Senator Mansion, they're going to have guaranteed retirement and benefits till they die. Well, these retired uh, coal miners, these retired gas company workers, um, they're going to, retired state workers, they're going to need somebody to help them with things. I have people all the time like, do you know a good carpenter that just does small stuff? Uh, Do you know anybody that does plumbing? Do you know anybody? If I had to do over, I wouldn't have went to college. And I tell people that. No no knock on college. College is for people. My wife went to college, uh, and it was was wonderful for her. She uses her education now and stuff. I use my education, just not, you know, as as a typical uh, day job. I, I use it, you know, it helped build me. But... There, I would go back and I would work on a skill because you have so many retirees and people a lot of time forget about these retirees, but the baby boomers was the largest population. We had a really huge population of baby boomers here because the coal industry was booming so much during that time. And, and these people need services and they, they, have, they have money, you know, I mean... The ability uh, for them to pay, they might not want to pay an exorbitant amount, but 
they are wanting to get done what they need to done. They like keeping a nice home. They like keeping everything neat and orderly and in working condition. And what I found out, because last year we had around 400 customers. So I had the opportunity to, to go into 400 people's homes and actually talk to them and, and get to know them. And, and a lot of them will tell me, I wish you did this. I wish you did that. There's a an extreme lack of people out there, uh, especially, you know, getting started out in the business uh, for a lot of these skills and, and trades. My customer base has always been more the, the elderly. Um, so the coal industry does affect me to an extent, but it hasn't extremely because uh, most of my clientele comes from the 50, 60 years and, and older group there. I also tried to set up some things that was recession-proof because now in the last three years, the coal mines, we've got in with them and we do steam cleaning. Uh, we do their, their uh, weed eating on haul roads. We do pest control for the coal mines. We do janitorial work for the coal mines. But I've made sure to keep it uh, a percent of my portfolio, total portfolio, that when it goes back downhill again, which it will, and it'll come back again, um, I can absorb that. I'm not going to be like some of these businesses that just, like in 2014, they just they crashed and they never came back because they were only uh, set up to deal with one thing, uh, the coal mines. And I've always tried to be diverse uh, that way. If it does go back down again, like right now, it's back down again, uh, we can absorb it and keep growing. Right. So you have how many employees now? Uh, last summer, we had 26 that worked for XP Services, and uh, we bought a mechanic shop over uh, – Labor Day of 2019, and uh, there is three of us up there. It's a mechanic shop. So all together, roughly 30. So who do you have a certain set that's year-round and then a certain set that's mm-hmm. seasonal? Yeah. Um, the the garage, the station, as we call it, those obviously now are year-round, which that's a blessing. But um, in XP's world, three years ago – and this is when you get all depressed about your business. Keep this in <laughs> mind. Okay, three years ago, I didn't even have a year-round employee. I had to lay them off, and you know, for years I had to do that, and that was painful because I just told you about how you know I was blessed to get good workers in, and then you have to uh, lay them off in the winter, which is is very rough on your unemployment rate. <laughs> they take no mercy on you on that, and then also you, you're, I mean. Uh, begging and praying that they don't find another job, but you also don't want to limit them if the opportunity does come. So, and when you have an employee that's worked for you, I've got one that's worked for me now six years. I've got uh, another one that's worked for me four years. Uh, that those are those are blessings because uh, that amount of experience that you know is just not something that you can snap your finger and, and duplicate. So. All through those early years, my goal was year-round work, year-round work, year-round work. And one thing that's really helped out a lot is we started a social media account five, six years ago. I'm not huge on social media, but it helps 
people from other areas find you. And what I didn't realize on these businesses a lot is there's management companies. Uh, Dollar Store doesn't get Dollar Store uh, to get somebody to plow their snow for them anymore. The management company in Chicago gets somebody to plow the snow for the dollar store. Well, how's the management company in Chicago going to find, you know, your little old business here in, in the mountains? They're going to Google it. And when you pop up, guess who they're going to call first? As long as you do a good job and don't screw up, guess who's going to get the rest of the business? Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't think it was a big deal when I first started that first you know, Facebook page for XP, and and it had actually was what started getting a lot of the the bigger business, the commercial business, because uh, that's what people do these days. They type in uh, whatever they need on Google, and and you know what pops up is probably who they're going to call first. It's it's not the phone book anymore. Right. How important is it to hire a contractor that is insured oh, yeah. and bonded, and you know. That's the world that I I live in right now, um, and it'll probably always be the battle. There's those of us that are legal, and then there's those of us that are completely illegal. <laughs> um, they might have a good reputation for the work they, they do, but um, a lot of the people, especially in the lawn care industry and the tree cutting uh, world, uh, they don't have insurance. And everybody says that matters to them, but then there's a lot of people that if you'll save $10, $20, dollars $100, whatever it is, they, they will go with Johnny down the road that has no insurance because people are in the saving money, especially around here. And, and I tell people that. I, I say, you know, I said, uh, we're fully insured. That's going to, you know, it adds to the price because I, I have to, to pay it. These insurance custom, uh, companies, they're hungry. You know, the, as you grow, uh, your bill grows and stuff, regardless of if you've had claims or not. It's usually based upon your payroll. And that's, you know, something I've had to learn over the years with, with our insurance and with our comp. Uh, we've been very fortunate that we've not had any uh, major accidents, um, but but you never know. Yeah, you never know, and and I, I just that always blew my mind. You know that 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 people were willing to risk that, mm-hmm. and insurance is expensive, but it, you know it's kind of it's based upon shop around. You know we we just shopped around hard for a month. Uh, it's based upon your payroll, but. Different writers out there have different approaches to looking at your business, and, and you know you can get favorable rates. You just have to not go to the first place you stop. Uh, you actually have to shop and, and put forth the effort. But the insurance, having this insurance, has allowed us, the social media uh, allowed people to find us. The insurance allowed us to get in the ball game and play. Commercially. Yes, because um, to deal with the coal mines in southern West Virginia, you have to have a $5 million policy, which is is crazy in my opinion, but it's what they asked for, and I want to play the game, so that's what I have. Well, once you get on that level as a company, 
that you have uh, million-dollar workers' comp policies in place. You have $5 million. And I didn't start out there. You know, I started out uh, with like a $200,000 policy, just enough to get me in. I wanted to start cutting for the Board of Education. So um, over the years, uh, when I first started getting uh, Speedway gas stations, taking care of them, well, they want one or two million. And then uh, a different one will want three million. Well, next thing you know, you know, you're at five million and, and you're hoping it don't go any further <laughs> higher up, which nobody's asked me for anything higher than that yet, thank, thank God. But um, when you have that and you have that reputation that you do good work and, and you have that insurance, it has got us into opportunities now that companies that probably are equivalent to us won't have. How do you get in with these companies do you just cold call or do you you know uh, i network hard uh, i'm probably aggravating to some people um but every opportunity that i get to meet someone new um whether it's just you know mowing their yard or whatever they work somewhere and they have family and they have uh, other people that 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 they're going to communicate to or they have the ability to communicate to. So, um, for example, I we did some work for a guy that works for AEP, and uh, we were sitting there talking, and I said, I'd really like to try to check out about getting some of the uh, lawn care contracts for some of these AEP sites. There's tons of them. Well, we did good work for him on his truck, like, you know, like we always shoot to do, and he went to the office uh, next week, and he he didn't even know himself who he was going to have to find because it's such a big company. And uh, through a couple of different phone calls that he made, uh, I found the individual that's that's over that, and he works like in the Columbus office, Ohio. You know, if I hadn't talked to him when he you know came in with his truck and things there's no chance that I would have ever been able to track this guy down uh, because when you start calling these big corporations you'll find out they don't have a, a tendency to answer the phone and they don't call back very well they, they have to have a reason usually so that gave me the opportunity to to call him and start emailing him and I haven't heard anything back yet but that's you know that's how it starts. I've learned patience <laughs> over the, <laughs> right. the 10 or 11 years of uh, education, uh, teaching at, at the high school and this business. I used to be r real high strung, and uh, I, I could get worked up fast <laughs> when, I, when I first graduated uh, uh, high school and then even college. But, but now I try to uh, stay calm. I try to uh, sleep on things at least a night before I, you know, say anything in return to anybody. And, and I just try not to let any one thing get to me too much anymore because, I mean, uh, it's a whole, it's everything, you know? Mm-hmm. That pressure, do you think that's like a quality that you need, unfortunately, to be an a successful entrepreneur is like, I describe it as obsessed kind of with your business? Yeah, yeah, because it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like really like being in love, you know, I mean... You you try not to to dwell on any one thing, and you know your your wife and kids don't want to hear about that any one thing all the time and things. But um, if 
if it's going to be what you do, you know, the majority of your day, if it's going to be where your livelihood comes from, if it's going to be um, dependent upon what your future is going to be like, then, yeah, I would want to be obsessed, you know. Um, People that don't have businesses or haven't, ever done this they can't really relate and and you know that's fine uh don't you know it's like anything don't judge until you've been there but um <laughs> i will go uh mom and dad's got a camper on the Greenbrier river we'll we'll go up you know spend several weekends with them the kids i got a five-year-old and two-year-old they love the river my wife loves the river and uh i love the river too but a lot of times on saturday morning um, they'll be in bed and I'll be out on the porch with my books, you know, spread out. I still do a lot of paper and pencil work. And uh, anytime I go anywhere, uh, I have my book bag, which has my books in it. And I'm usually anymore, it's not just can't fit in the book bag. I'm going to have to get a duffel bag, I guess, because I, I, I've got a handful of books in my arms now, too. But I actually feel naked leaving the house without that backpack. And we might even be going to Beckley for a, uh, a date, <laughs> you might say, or a family outing or something like that, and I'll throw the book bag in the vehicle. And she's like, you know you're not going to work on books. I mean, I may even be driving, you know, so I couldn't even work on it while she's driving. I said, you never know when we get stuck in a wreck and I might be down for about 45 minutes or an hour. Or you never know when somebody might call and I have to look back and see when the last time I did something is. I said, I just feel better if I have them with me. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would be like, that's obsessive compulsive. That's way over the edge and stuff. But I'm in love with what I do. I mean, it, it really is my passion. And when it's your passion, uh, you just want to have it and stuff. It's like some people are with their cell phones, you know. I could be easily like, why are you like that with your cell phone? Can't you leave your cell phone for an hour or two? People are just really tied to that now. And right. my books are my business, you know. I can I can tell you everything about it. Just flip a couple pages and, and stuff. So, uh, yeah, no. And I'm, so do you do all the accounting? Yeah, I I do all the record keeping. My my mother does the payroll and she pays. Uh, she uses QuickBooks. We used to do it without QuickBooks though. But once you start getting to above ten employees, when you're sitting there, you know, on the calculator multiplying a, a percent of this or percent of that, doing your taxes, you're like, I I need a, well, a program. thousands of invoices a year. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, we, uh, at the end of the month there, which we still do our invoices uh, ourselves too, we just have Microsoft Word program and stuff, uh, but at the end of the, each month, we'll have 100, 150 invoices that we have to, to get out. Like, that's that's a day in its own right there. It's like, you know, let's get the invoices out today because it's it's all part of the, you know, the cycle to, to keep going, but the the accounting, I'm, I'm trying something We've got three businesses all together. We've got XP Pest Control, XP Services, which does lawn care, um, steam cleaning, janitorial, snow plowing, and then just miscellaneous. You know, we if we can do it, we, we'll do our best to, to step up and, and, and step in there and, and take care of whatever you guys, you know, need. if it's even hauling trash off or something, uh, especially during our off season. And then I have uh, Dixon's Automotive, which is the service station. Well, Dixon's, from day one, 
I bought it, their Labor Day 2019. We handed everything over to an accounting firm. And uh, they've took care of us for like the last 10 years as far as doing our end-of-the-year books and, and things like that. We'll take our information to them, and they'll put together our end-of-the-year books. But this is the first time that I had handed everything over uh, to them because just the accounting of things can get over overwhelming. And uh, for many a year early on, I was doing my own accounting, but I was also doing my own work, and I was also trying to be a husband, uh, a father, and teach school, and I was a basketball coach there for a while. So um, a lot of times my books would would be behind, you know, a week or two or so behind. So a lot of times I, I didn't have an accurate number on like, well, how, how could you do last week? Well, I, you know, I think I did. And that always, you know, was real aggravating to me because I was like, I want to know right now what I made last week and things, but you know, it was a process. So, uh, this year I was actually able to hire me an assistant that, uh, that, you know, will take the phone calls that does a lot of the computer work for me. It does a lot of the record keeping. And, and now we're able to keep things like called up to to a day just about now and it's it's so much more convenient and and having the the automotive shop having it tied to an accounting firm um it just you know it just is a lot simpler on, on your your worries and stuff because you're like did I file this report did I file that there's a ton of reports uh and um quarterly taxes, sales tax, your EFTPS that you have to pay. I mean, it, it just, it's its never ending, a lot of the stuff that you have to do for the government. So, so far, so good on uh, paying the accounting firm. It's a reasonable rate. Uh, and all that we do is we have a, uh, a file or it's actually like a basket, and we'll put all the receipts in there. And then they also... Um, want your uh, statements to the bank account. So, you know, we always just use the bank card for any purchase, bank card or or check, and that way everything is tied to that that account. So I'm liking that. The only problem is if I convert XP over to that, you're talking about one company has three employees, one company has 26 employees. One company might make 100 transactions, 200 a month, another one makes 1,000. So um, it would definitely is going to cost a lot more. And that's that's where I am right now. We're still trying to do everything in-house, but uh, there gets to a point, you know, and this is all stuff I never even dreamed of when I started out because you're like, I'm just going to make me some pocket money and, right. and things. But when you realize you have a good idea and you realize, you know, that the growth is there to, to sustain you uh, with a life that you want to have, um, you go full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I try to talk to a lot of people that's in business younger than me because I, I guess I've kind of come to be the – 
the middle-aged businessman, a lot of these that's in their 30s that started locally, they'll come to me and, and ask different ideas and different things because they know I've, I've done it for 16, 17 years now. And I, I try to help them because there's there's not a lot of us young entrepreneurs out there. And, and it's crazy because when I think back about uh, the 60s, 70s, 80s, listen to my mom and dad you know, talk, uh, there was several young entrepreneurs there. Uh, there was competition amongst them. Uh, I can look out in my whole hometown now, and and uh, there's three of us, I think, that's younger than me, younger than 35. And uh, we're in different lines of work and stuff, but I always try to, if I can send them business or anything, I do. If I can try to help them with anything, I do. I, I've tried to go at this point in my life now to where I, I do everything small business if I can. I, I try to, you know, uh, talk the talk, walk the walk. Right. Uh, if you're going to be small business, then you know you need to have everybody else's is back. But in any you know business that you that you do, there's like two routes that you can take. There's you can stay one of the main workers uh, and do a lot of the work yourself, but you've got to understand that that your ability to grow will be capped because eventually there your quality will either you'll start losing quality or you just can't do anymore you physically can't do anymore you go not go crazy yeah or you try to set systems up in place uh, to where um, you train the people uh, that's going to step in and start doing the tasks that you've done for years and and that around year four or five, I got to that point right there. And and a lot of people in southern West Virginia, um, like the mechanic shop that we just bought, uh, it had been ran by um, one of my family members, and he had always been the main mechanic. And, and he did fantastic with it, you know. But <clears throat> you can reach a point of growth and, you know, that's that's it. You're not going to add bays to your garage because you can going to have more work because you can only do uh, you know, your your three bays because there's only two or three of you. Uh, and I, I've never wanted to really cap my growth. I've always wanted to, if the sky's the limit, let's go there. Let's see. And does the pressure increase as you grow? Oh, yeah, because you're relying upon other people. And um, I feel bad saying this sometimes, but it's, 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 it's the truth. Uh, it's, it's what I've felt in my heart a lot of times, especially the last two or three years. I've really worked to unload a lot of my responsibility. And uh, sometimes I, I, I'll say, especially whenever things haven't went right for, you know, a period in time, uh, he had a bad day or whatever. I'm like, if there's ever a reason that I don't make it as far as I can make it, I feel like it's because I just didn't have as many of the people around me that I needed to have. Uh, you really start having to put your faith and everything into your employees. And sometimes they care. Uh, sometimes they embrace it as their own. And sometimes they just, it's my nine to five or whatever, and it's my paycheck, and I'm not worried about it, you know, uh, after I go home in the evenings. And you, you really try to 
You have to find those good people. When you do find those good people, you've got to give them raises. You've got to, uh, as, as I say, you got to wag the carrot in front of their face there, keep them motivated. Um, you don't want them getting complacent or burnt out, which, you know, things like that's inevitable. Do you have incentive models? Yeah. I, well, in my head, yeah. Um, I always, I, I start, we pay piecework, which on the lawn care, on the services side, we pay piecework. And more particularly on the lawn care, sometimes I do pay, place, I pay straight time, like on the snow and things like that, we'll pay straight time. But early on, I had the idea that I don't want to, because I saw some of these other companies, I said, I don't want to pay these guys straight time because they're going to be sitting at 7-Eleven for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Sitting there, they're so in no funny. hurry. Yeah. You know, they're getting mm-hmm. paid the same. What's I mean, besides you yelling at them, what's their motivation? So uh, I started paying piecework, and I started paying piecework before I even knew what piecework even was. And then later on, I read a, a lawn care book. It's like, you have to pay piecework in lawn care if you want to be successful. And I said, I accidentally had another good idea there. But um, what piecework is, is, as I'm sure you know, but you only get paid while you're working that job. And it's the motivator to get as many jobs done as you can that day because the more jobs you get done that day, you will in turn make more money. So 10 jobs is 10 times whatever this amount yeah so what what i do is we'll set it at at an hourly rate like 12 um anybody that i bring in i start out at 12 dollars an hour and they're getting paid while they work so they they have a work order and has all the times and things on it where they are for each job and things and they're like well that kind of sucks not getting paid travel time but what i tell them in turn i was like I I know, like four or five years ago, I went through and I took every time for every job that year. I went in there and added them all together, divided, came up with average times. Most of these jobs I'd done before. So I knew like how long it should take. And then I had all the average times for over, you know, hundreds of jobs that we had done hundreds, over a thousand times combined. And what I would do is... I had that to base like my my reasoning off of like how fast they should be getting done. And if they take I, I will pay in fifteen minute increments. So if they take like thirty-three minutes to do your job, I'll usually pay them forty-five minutes. As long as they're doing around the average time. Now there's times when they come in that you're like, what in the world did they do? Why are they two hours on this thirty minute job? And sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. Sometimes something went wrong and, and they tell you about it and you know, you can compensate them for that. But um I I've used that uh, framework to to do my pay ever since I be, began, and that ha- has it's definitely been one of the keys to success as far as in lawn care because um, you just can't afford to pay straight time, and and there's a lot of employees out there that are not motivated uh, unless you give them a reason to be motivated. Sure, and I'm glad we brought up pricing because out of all this. That's the basic thing I wanted to ask. So when you quote a yard, can you pretty well look at a job or any job and know now by the size of it how long it would take you? Is that how you quote things? Time is money. That's what I tell people all the time. Time is money. And uh, no matter what I do, it it holds true. No matter what business I've started, uh, time is money. And we'll look 
at, at a job and, um, I'll be able to, I break everything down into individual hours. Like yesterday I went and looked at a weed eating job that, you know, obviously we're not going to do till April or May, but she wanted me to come over and price it for her this winter. So what I I did is I know about how much you can do in an hour's worth of weed eating. So I break it in and well, here's an hour, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'll just break each job down into individual hours. Well, then, you know, depending on gas prices and things like that, you know, if you've got to have twenty dollars an hour, twenty-five, thirty, uh, depending on how far away it is, you might even have thirty-five dollars an hour, you know, on on your price. But um, I have to look at it, and, and then like you, your general, just you know, yards, residential yards, and stuff. You can just about look at those, and and keep in mind most of them are thirty to forty-five minutes. And depending on if we think we can get by with it being a thirty-minute job, then we've already got a price tag in mind for our thirty-minute jobs. Because usually we always run a three-man crew uh, or woman. We, we've we actually uh, have a uh, female's workforce all year this year. That's been one of the best employees I've ever had. So I got to get out of the habit of saying guys oh, all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I do the same thing. I do the same thing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we'll base that if it's on a 30 or a 45-minute job. And then, like, when I was telling you about the average, when we did all the averages, that not only helped me to figure out how long they should be on each job, but it also helped me to break down whether people were paying the appropriate. Be- because what I did that year also is I, I took all my – expense. And then I took all the hours that we had worked uh, that year and I divided it into each other. So I knew what my, I think I had on average uh, 17 or, and this was like four or five years ago, 17 or $18 an hour was my expense for every hour we worked. So I said, well, if I'm going to make any profit at all, obviously I have to come in higher than $18 an hour. And you go out and tell grandma that you're going to have to have $30 an hour. They, they mind blown. You don't tell them stuff like that. Right. You know, I'm letting the secret out the bag, but hopefully it helps somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you, you have to price it to where it's profitable. And in my line of business, I've always paid more uh, employee costs than, than other businesses typically have to. My employee costs used to be around 60%, which was just crazy uh, looking back on it. And I finally got it down to 50%. But 50% of of my uh, costs right off the bat will go to employees and employee-related expenses. Then I have about 25%, you know, back into reinvestment and things like that, fix and insurance and stuff like that. And then sometimes, you know, I'll end up about 20%, 15%. But if you you're a growing business, you have to reinvest that. Or if you don't have enough vehicles to go to Beckley to mow these 10 yards today, then you can't even do it. You're, you're not even, you have, you don't even have the ability to do it. So uh, me and my accountant, what we had worked out like is our, the business strategy for mine was, you know, to reinvest as much money as we could back into the business to buy vehicles to, and I mean, write-offs anyway. Oh yeah. I went from, uh, one vehicle to I think we've got 11 now that run. I had one weed eater in 2010 and like we got like 35 now. So uh, it's just, it's, you know, 
you would rather put your money in your pocket and go on about it and buy all the toys that you want. But if you really want to take care of your business, you have to set it up to where it can grow and, and it's not going to be a struggle. So that's over the past 10 years, that's where I've, I've been trying to get my company to where I had the infrastructure uh, that I could do um, – the jobs that, that we were getting the opportunity to do. And I, I finally feel like I'm close to that, but the, the struggle that you have in, in business is, well, do you want a new vehicle or a used vehicle? I want a new vehicle. Do you have $50,000 to go buy a new truck? No. So I, I'll have to buy trucks that have, I just went and bought one the other day in North Carolina, it had 80,000 miles on it, but it was, it was affordable. It was in the 30,000s instead of the 50,000s. So that's the struggle I'm at now is I'm still having to buy stuff that has, I mean, that's the joke. Uh, the company is, is every vehicle we have has 100,000 miles on it. And, um, you know, if I had the option, it wouldn't be that way, but that's all part of the, the struggle. Struggle, the 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 growth process. So, in the next ten years, now I finally got the infrastructure and the vehicles that I need, as long as they're running, to go do the jobs. Now, over the next ten years, I want to buy newer vehicles to where my maintenance bill can go down. Because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's nothing to have a two, three, four thousand dollar maintenance bill. Uh, at the shop I own now, thank God. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I had yeah. to buy the shop just to not. <laughs> oh, that works out. Yeah, that works out that way. Um, last question, I'll let you go. Um, so coming back to the thing I said earlier about rural markets, uh, you know, kind of how I feel and how, why I want to stay around here is I feel like, you know, we kind of have a leg up when you do things like this because you're not really competing with a lot of people. Sure. So, you know, what would you have to say about that and – the faith that you could give, you know, some kid that thinks that they have to leave to be able to have a life. You no, know? absolutely. Absolutely not true. Um, the guidance, I guess, is probably the, the biggest thing. You, you have to start with a dream or an aspiration, and, and then hopefully you surround yourself with, with good people that can help guide you. Because I've learned so many hard lessons over the last 17 years that I'm like, if I just had me a, a sensei or somebody on my shoulder to that had that experience to help guide me, I would have avoided so much of this headache and heartache. But, you know, I didn't. As part of it, but they're all of my plans, and I've got plans for the next 10, 15 years, they are right here. There are markets here uh, within the coal fields uh, that are just ripe uh, to be tapped into because there, there's not that many from the younger generation, younger than 40 out there doing what we're doing. And I tell people that, I joke around, but uh, stop and think about it. There, in our area, there is four, just in the 15 minutes from where I live, there are four mechanic shops, okay? And I used to think about this before I even bought a mechanic shop. Three of them are owned by individuals in their, in around 60 years old. Okay, the other one was uh, owned by a sixty-year-old, and then I bought it from him. So, um, and from what I can tell, there's nobody going to come in. There's not even any young mechanics working for any of these other other ones and things. Um, so, 
these people are going to retire eventually. I mean, think about a lot of the established businesses in, in our area. A lot of the people are 50, 60, or, or greater um, years old. So, I mean, if you, if you just get out there, and, and a lot of it's proven to people that you're willing to do what it takes, but then once you've proved to these people, I mean, it's like the Scarface, the world is yours, because there's there's very few, and it's a blessing and a curse, you know, I mean, uh, whatever generation we are, wake up, get out there, there's opportunities, don't sit around and cry, uh, but at the same time, okay, sit around and cry, I'll just go do it all, <laughs> but um there is tons of, of work out there uh, in, in the entrepreneur world, in, in the doing what you, what you want to do, following your talents and, and things, um, because there's just a lot from our generation that hasn't pursued this this walk, and it's not easy. It's took me uh, it took me nine years to get to somewhere that I was really comfortable, and that's when I finally uh, I'd left education and I could do this, and I could you know still sustain the same life and continue to grow, and, and that's why a lot of people are like. I'm going to start a business, you know, and they just think they're going to wave a wand and the first money that they, they take in and their cash register is going in their pockets. And I'm like, it's going to be a while for you to get that, that right there. And they just don't have the, the, the long-term mindset uh, or they don't have the fun. You know, I had to work two jobs. They, they're, they're maybe not willing to, to do that. But once you get past that struggle period, I, I wake up every day right now and I absolutely love my life. I, I'm, I, I'm not one of those people that will whine and cry and I am living my best life right now. And it's because I followed my passion. I, I followed what I wanted to do in, in life. Uh, I had uh, a teacher uh, my 10th grade year when I first told him I wanted to own my own business. He said, now get serious. You know, you need to get, I, I promise you, I'm serious, and it's always been in my heart, and and that way, it's like people say all the time at old cliche. It's like not even like going to work. I mean, it's really not. I, I, I this is just my life, you know, and, and I enjoy it. I enjoy the 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 rush of when you get new jobs, when you are successful, and. and uh, at the same time, whenever, you know, I had a $4,000 park go out last week on one of my vehicles, it, it takes the wind out of you, but it's, it's not always going to be like that. I mean, that's why I tell people it's a roller coaster. You know, you're going to have highs and lows, but as long as you keep with the dependability, the quality, keep showing up and doing what you're supposed to, it will pay off. I've, I've saw it firsthand with, with these businesses. It, it absolutely will pay off if you're showing up and doing for people what they're asking you to do. Will, I can't thank you enough for your time. I sincerely congratulate you on building something the hard way in the county you grew up in and also the same county that I've grown to love and built a business in as well, Wyoming County, West Virginia. For anyone needing the services of XP Lawn Care, and don't forget power washing, snow plowing, trash picker-upping, and much more for your business or home, find XP Lawn Care on Facebook or at xpservicesWV.com. Appalachian Startup is a bi-weekly podcast, so be sure to check back for more stories of entrepreneurship, 
Like us on Facebook and Instagram and support the show by grabbing a sticker from our online store at AppalachianStartup.com. Review our podcast on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud as well. We are on Patreon, so you can support the show there and allow us to showcase more businesses in Appalachia. Stay tuned for more stories of underdogs on the rise.